Jack Dorsey sells his first tweet for over $2.5 million as a non-fungible token, or NFT. How important are NFTs becoming to digital artists, and what does this mean in the world of copyrights? This is Stuff You Should Know About IP. Today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by The Patent Lawyer Magazine. To stay up to date on global news related to IP and patents, go to www.patentlawyermagazine.com. Each edition is free to read for weeks after release. And don't forget to sign up for their newsletter as well at www.patentlawyermagazine.com. Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by the Colson Law Group. If you need unflappable lawyers who can help you navigate the sometimes treacherous waters of intellectual property, go to www.colsonlawgroup.com. All right, Tom, please explain to me NFTs because I'm a little bit lost when we start talking about blockchain and cryptocurrency my eyes roll into the back of my yeah, head yeah you're not alone right yeah so well, here's first here's how, what i want to know how is it possible that jack dorsey who's the founder one of the founders of twitter mm-hmm. super rich already mm-hmm. he can sell a tweet at about a hundred thousand dollars per character that's how is that insane possible? His I, tweet, his tweet which was let's see just setting up my Twitter. He didn't even spell out Twitter. I know. He just put he just T-W-T-T-R. got rid of all the vowels for that's some right. reason. That's right. So that's 25 characters, and he sold it for like $2.9 million. That's Insane. good. But the question is also, how do you sell something that's already out there that everybody's been looking at for more than a decade, right? Right. So let's talk about non-fungible tokens or NFTs. So before we get to NFTs, let's talk a little tiny bit about blockchain. And believe me, I'm not a blockchain expert, but let's go back in time. When I started a company called IP.com, we had a problem we were trying to overcome, which is this. IP.com was in the business of prior art management, essentially. Yeah. And we, it was a service called Defensive Publishing, where Ray has an invention. You don't want to patent it, but you want to make sure no one else can patent it, right? Mm-hmm. So you take your disclosure of your invention... And you want to publish it someplace because once in innovation is published within a certain period of time, like a year in the U.S., different places, it's immediate. But once it's published, no one can get a patent on it. So you might say to yourself, I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I don't have the interest in getting a patent on this innovation that I came up with. Right. But I want to make sure no one else gets a patent on it and they'll be able to block me from using it. So I publish it as a defensive measure to ensure that no one else can get a patent, right? Right. So, historically, for like the last X number of decades, people have been publishing innovation in magazines, in journals, and stuff like that. But it's difficult for patent examiners to find those publications when they're analyzing competitive patent applications, right? So, the internet emerged, right? Mid-90s, the internet comes about, people are like, Oh, yes, this is a great way that we could create kind of like a a database where patent examiners can search to find non-patent prior art references. Right. So we came up with IP.com, a database where people could, uh, you know, affirmatively publish their inventions that they don't want to get patented and they don't want anyone else to get patented. 
right? But the problem is with the internet, especially in the early days, like the mid nineties, yeah. 1997, it was yeah. the wild west. Yeah. So back then you publish it 10 years later, any 10 year old kid with a computer computer can publish another document and make it look like it was published back in 1997, you know, right. change the properties and stuff like that. Yeah. So we had to come up with a way to make it so that it was irrefutable. It was published on this date and it's never been altered. Essentially an authentication tool, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily we didn't have to invent that because there's all these things out there at the time, which are essentially called digital fingerprints. You take a document, an electronic record, it could be a video, it could be a graphic, it could be a word file, and you use a, a, an algorithm to create a digital hash, right? And once you, and this is this multi-character set of numbers, letters, characters, and there might be 25 or 30 or 40 characters that define that document. So if you calculated the fingerprint of that document again in years in the future, yeah. as long as there's been no changes, that long string, that hash would not change. And then you can prove with certainty that the document has never been altered since it was originally created. We used to call those digital fingerprints or hash marks, right? right. So that was our way of ensuring that if documents were published in our database, and we had this whole thing, like we calculate the fingerprints, then we put them with all the other fingerprints, we calculate those, then we publish those in a, in a journal on paper. It was very cumbersome. 20 years later, we have blockchain, which is way more advanced than what we were doing, right? Right. But it's okay. essentially the same kind of thing, right? It's, um, I found this quote, which is, blockchain is a system of recording information in a way that makes it difficult or impossible to change, hack, or cheat the system. Okay. And that's kind of what we're doing, right? Now, blockchain has become popular with cryptocurrencies. And yeah. we're not going to get into cryptocurrencies today. That's really what I typically would associate exactly, with. Exactly, right. Yeah, most of these cryptocurrencies are on, you know, all, all of them are on a blockchain right. platform like Ethereum. But they're separate things, really, right? Cryptocurrency and blockchain. Cryptocurrency uses blockchain yes, technology. Yes, yes. But, but blockchain could be applied to many things. Right. I mean, think about it. Anything you need to verify the authenticity of an electronic record, whatever that record is, right. you can use blockchain. Just so happens to work really well for currency because this dollar is this dollar, and that means that there's no other dollar like it, right? Or I, I'm, I'm not going to respond to that because I don't <laughs> want to get into that in the short period of time we have. Okay, so yeah, let's yeah. focus on subject, yeah. another application for blockchain, okay. which solves another problem. And here's the problem. Yeah. Graphic artists are creating all this really cool stuff, right? And they're not making any money. Yeah. Why aren't they making money? Because it's, it's so easy to replicate it. I mean, go to YouTube, go, go anywhere, and you can find almost anything and download it for free, right? right. Yeah. So these, these digital artists are creating stuff that's really valuable, but they can't figure out a way to monetize it. Mm -hmm. Enter blockchain okay. and enter NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So non-fungible tokens are essentially saying they're one of a kind. So we leverage blockchain, or just so it's simple in your brain, digital fingerprints, if you will, yeah. right? And we can show that there is certainty that this digital thing, this digital file, a video, an audio, a, a graphic image is this on a particular date, and it's never been altered in the future. So you can go back 10, 20, 30, 40 years, 
and you can prove when this thing was created. Okay? So yeah. digital artists are like, okay, how does that help me? Well, we can, just like a painter can sign their work. They paint this thing, they sign their work, and they sell it for maybe millions of dollars. We could do the same thing with digital art, if you will, with non-fungible tokens or NFTs. Because we're going to let artists create one work which is going to be their original, right? It's going to be their signed work. It's going to be ownership of that video that they created or that graphic image that they created, okay. and they can sell that. Okay. Now, yes, there are thousands, maybe millions of exact copies out there, but the same goes with artwork, right? You know, you can sell yeah. a famous artist, paint something. There's a zillion prints of it, right? Sure. You yeah. might pay $50 million, and my mother goes to Michael's and pays $2 or $10 or $20, right. and for most people, it looks exactly the same. Right. You go into her house, there's a dolly up on the wall. In fact, my mother has a dolly up on the wall, and she always refers to it as her dolly, right? And I'm looking at one. And I'm, I'm thinking like, like a doll, but the, yeah. the art, the, the melting clock. Yeah, 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 exactly. yeah, yeah. In fact, it's the melted clock, okay. the melting clock. That yeah. is the one she has on her wall. Yeah. She always talks about her dolly, and she's been talking about it since I was a kid. But the thing about her dolly is it's not an original. It's a print. It's a print. Is it a now, print or it's like a, print. a... It's, it's like worth a, something. Like a recreation where there's actually, whoops, where there's actually like someone painted it, or is it just a, like a oh, no, print no, it's on a... Print. a it's a print, but it's worth something because it's a numbered print. Okay? I see. Okay. So you have an original, which is worth yeah, yeah, yeah. this much. Right. Then you have numbered prints, which are worth this much. Then you an have the stuff print. you can find. Yeah, yeah. Then you have stuff you find on the internet, like pictures of yeah, the yeah, prints, yeah. and it's worth nothing. Like right? I downloaded the image from Google and printed it right. on yeah, yeah, computer exactly. paper. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, it. if you downloaded it and printed it and put it on, on, a, on a frame, yeah. so, I mean, it's illegal. It's copyright infringement. But if you did it, you might be able to sell it to your friends and neighbors because at least you did that. It's worth 20 bucks, right? Right. But my mother's dolly was probably worth a few hundred dollars. Sure. The actual image, the actual painting was probably worth millions, right? Right. So now let's go to NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So you create a video. You have a video. You have a movie, Ray. It's called Buffalo Boys, right? Uh-huh. You created your own movie. And there are copies on Amazon. In fact, I bought a copy. Yep. You know, I watched it, and yeah. I paid like what three ninety nine or five ninety nine, something like that. Yeah. You could take your movie and upload it to one of these platforms, one of these blockchain platforms like Ethereum, and you can create an essentially an original, a signed Ray Guarneri Buffalo Boys, and then you can post it for sale. And even though anyone can download your video from Amazon for like four ninety nine. You could sell this for a million bucks. Interesting. Ten million bucks. Yeah. Because these I'll people have to do that when I get famous. Exactly. I'm still waiting for that call. It should come yeah. in any minute now. But. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But essentially, so these NFTs. So now imagine this: if Ray can do that with his movie, uh huh. Anybody could do it with any electronic record. Okay. So let's flash back to the seventies and eighties. People used to like love actors and famous people paraphernalia, right? Mm -hmm. A shirt from Elvis Presley is worth a lot of money, right? It's just a shirt, but it's a one-of-a-kind yeah. thing. Didn't they sell his guitar exactly, or something like, like that? Or... Even though whatever his guitar is, there's probably a zillion of those guitars, but they weren't Elvis's guitar with maybe his signature on it. Some certification that shows it's his. And then people buy it. They hang it up on the wall. 99.9% .9 of the population would walk in and say, oh, that's just some knockoff guitar. Oh, it says Elvis, but it's not real. But then he's got a certification that he might put up with it. Right. It's like you get 
what are you really buying? You're buying bragging rights. You're right. buying the right to say that you have the one-of-a-kind version of whatever this is, right? right? Now let's go to these NFTs again, non-fungible tokens, and Jack Dorsey. So Jack Dorsey sells his 25-character tweet, which is just setting up my Twitter, for $2.9 million, even though I have it on my computer right now. Yeah, and you I have it, because I right email it to you. Anybody that's watching could download it and see that tweet. But they don't have the certificate of authentic, uh, authentication that it is the one sold by Jack Dorsey yeah. to this person. Yeah, it's it's um, a bit. I mean, I have several questions. So you're not really buying anything, it, except it's the certificate you're paying for, not not the creation itself. Okay, so not let's... The, the song, the video, the tweet, the. Uh, sort of. So let's let's compare it to a painting again. Let's compare it to um, a famous painting by Dolly. Uh-huh. You buy the painting. You're getting a painting. You put that painting on your wall. Right. Every time your friends come over, they're like, oh, did you get that as a print? No, no, no. It's the legitimate one. I got the right. thing. I paid $2 million. Right. So you, you're bragging about the fact that you bought the original. Right. No one can tell that it's the original. But if you were in Bill Gates' house, you would assume <laughs> yeah, even it's if the it original. Wasn't. Yeah, for Bill Gates or Jack Dorsey, even if they're not the originals, you assume they are because right. they're rich, right? So now let's flash over to a graphic image, right? Or a video. Video is a good example. I have a, a let's, let's talk about something real. Let's talk about a guy whose name is, let me just remember what his name is here. Uh, let's see, not his fake name, but his real name. Mike Winkleman? Mike Winkleman, exactly. Other, otherwise known as Beeple. Beeple, you got it. Mike Winkleman, the artist currently known as Beeple, right? Uh-huh. Or Beeple Crap, I have saw that as well. Okay. Mike Winkleman, as of October 2020, had never made more than $100 for anything. And by the way, his stuff is really creative. It's really interesting to watch whether okay. you like it or not you got to say wow this guy's got talent right okay and i've looked at a bunch of his stuff so he's never makes more than a hundred bucks because how could he he's he, what, what does he sell it's free on the internet right then he discovers nfts so he ends up selling in march of 2021 an nft of his work which is entitled every days the first five thousand days for 69 million dollars it's a christie's auction it's the first time they've ever auctioned something that isn't really real. It's not really anything, right? I mean, right. what is it? So anyway, he sells it for $69 million. What does the buyer get exactly? I downloaded that image for free. And I have right. a, In fact, Winkleman in 2000, at the end of 2019, sells this thing he calls Crossroads. It's basically a video of people walking by what looks like a bloated and dead version of Donald Trump covered in all kinds of nasty graffiti, and a bird lands on it, right? Yeah. Sells it for $6.6 million, okay? That's insane. I downloaded it for free, and I got every bit of value or lack of value, depending upon your position in the world, from watching it as the owner guy because it's the exact same video. Now, let's, let me compare it to a painting again. In 2014, there was a Claude Monet painting, which was called Nymphius, mm -hmm. and it's basically Water Lilies painting. Yeah. $54 million at Sotheby's, okay? $54 million. So that thing, the Sotheby's painting, 
is a little bit different than a print because it's actual paint, right? Right. Now, Tom and Ray may or may not, I don't know if we can tell the difference, but experts certainly can, right? And maybe anybody can. Maybe you could feel the texture and it's like, wow, that's paint. You know, that's really paint. Right. Now, maybe there's also a way to do printing, print versions that feel like paint as well, but they're different. Yeah. The thing about Crossroads or um, Everydays, they're exactly the same. There's no difference yeah. between what I downloaded yeah. and what the guy paid $54 million or $69 million for. The other person paid $6.9 uh, $6. million. Yeah, that's weird. But anyway, um, it's the same exact thing. But what you get is the certificate. You get the token that it's yours. It's Ray bought it. So how is that different than uh, the Claude Monet painting? Not that much different because... So let's imagine what you do. You, you get a monitor, you put it up on your wall, and you put a framed certificate up on the wall that says you bought this for $69 million or $6.6 million or whatever. When people come into the house, they see this 11-second video playing or this image up on your wall, and they say, oh, that's pretty cool. And then they look above it, and they say, paid $69 million for it. First, they think you're insane. But right. then they think you must be really rich. Right. But then they think, well. If they're well, in my house, they probably already know I'm insane. That's right. Exactly. But then what they say is, wow, that's pretty cool that you own that. You must be something special. It's bragging rights. So yeah. do you actually own the video? Just like the painting with Monet, you own that painting. You don't own the copyrights to that painting. They don't own the copyrights to the everyday's image or to the Crossroads video. Right. They own that actual video. Now, with Monet, it's easier because it's physical. It's tangible. This is a little harder to conceptualize, yeah, right? So, yeah, well, that's my next question is, okay, so uh, I, I uh, saw this video. It was a music video by a, a, a rapper uh, named Tom McDonald. Okay. And um, I guess he was a fan of, of Eminem. Um, who, who isn't? Who, right, exactly. Right. Um, and... And Eminem sold um, like a track, a beat, um, on uh, via an NFT. Okay? okay, and Tom bought it. They're not like friends or collaborators. I mean, Eminem might not even know Tom McDonald exists because he's you know up here, and this guy you know makes videos on YouTube. He's talented and all, but um, and so Tom McDonald wrote lyrics and put a song on top of that beat and the thing that really interested me about it was that it um uh, in all of the the marketing that he did around this this new song that he made on Emin the beat that he bought from Eminem it says produced by Eminem and what you're saying kind of sounds like that that beat that he bought he bought that copy not the copyrights to that creation yeah, like how does that right. how, how does that work? That's a good question. Again, we're talking about something that's conceptually difficult. Let's say that that beat that he bought were somehow physical, right? Uh huh. And he handed it to him. Well, he would own that thing, right? But he wouldn't own the copyrights to it. So he could sell that thing. He could throw it in the garbage. He could put it up on his wall. But he couldn't. He doesn't own the copyrights. So now let's flash over to the digital world. So you right? couldn't copy it and give those copies to other people. No, and that's the, that's the copyright issue right there. He kind of owns the certificate of ownership. He, is, he owns the NFT. 
the non-fungible token, which is really just a certificate of ownership and authentication, right? Right. So it's authentic that you are the one of the entire world you own this beat. In fact, Eminem doesn't even own that beat anymore, but he owns the copyright to it. Claude Monet doesn't own the painting that he sells, mm -hmm. but he owns the copyright. So what does copyrights give you the right to do? Depending upon where you are in the world, let's say the U.S., because we're in the U.S., right? Yeah. Copyrights give you a number of rights. I'm going to read a few of them. Number one, you have the exclusive right to reproduce the copyrighted work, right, in copies, right? Yeah. Okay. Number two, to prepare derivative works based upon a copyrighted work, okay? Um, to distribute copies of a copyrighted work. So in this case, Tom McDonald gets this thing, which is a beat that he bought, but it's kind of like a Monet painting. He owns the painting, but he doesn't own the copyrights to it. He can't copy it and sell it. He can sell the actual certificate. He can sell the NFT. Maybe it goes way up in value and he sells that, and then someone else owns the certificate, just like someone else owns the Monet painting itself. But he can't make copies of it and sell those or even distribute those. He can't even, so because it's an exclusive right of the copyright holder, okay. and he can't make derivative works. So what you're describing, he took that beat and he changed it and mixed it with something else. That is a derivative work. A derivative work is when you make something new that is derived from the copyrighted work. Okay. The copyright owner has the exclusive rights to do that, which means Tom McDonald can't do that unless there's an agreement. Now, there might be an agreement. We don't know. You could, you could theoretically, if you created an NFT, let's say we did one for this podcast. Which we could. But we could also um, associate the, the, mm -hmm. the rights to make derivative works with that NFT Absolutely. and sell that. You could do that. So, so, so maybe Eminem did that. And maybe they did. I mean, I don't know why he would sell a beat and not expect someone to do something. To do something. That's what you're supposed right. to do with those. Exactly. Books. So now Eminem has a lot of smart lawyers, I'm sure, because he's a rich guy. They probably sold the NFT, and they included with the NFT a license to make derivative works, right? And I would probably imagine. also if a not, Eminem can sue Tom brand. McDonald. Yes, yes. Yeah. It, wouldn't that be funny? Tom it McDonald would be ironic because the song is like an ode to Eminem. It's like a, almost like a compliment. You oh, know? it is. Okay. I, I think it would be bad press for Eminem, but who oh, yeah. knows? I mean, right, right. But so imagine this. Tom McDonald buys it. What did he pay? Like 100, 100 grand, grand or something? Yeah. Okay, 100 grand. Then he makes a derivative work. Then Eminem sues him for copyright infringement yeah. because one of the exclusive rights of owning a copyright is the exclusive right to create derivative works. So that's why it's fuzzy, right? But like you said, why would he buy it if he's also a rapper? Because he's also a rapper, right? Tom McDonald. Yeah. Why would he buy it if he wasn't intending to do something with it, right? Now, some people might just want to buy it to hang the certificate up on the wall and say, I own Eminem's beat. Right. That's pretty cool, right? Okay, so here's another perhaps messy question. Can Tom McDonald now make an NFT of the new video? And the, the song is called the Dear, Dear Slim. That's yeah. the derivative work. Right. Can he make an NFT of that? Yes. And then sell that? Yes, because here's the thing. And by the way, you can do that. Okay, there's two different questions there. Can he make an NFT of it? Can he sell it? Because right. you make a derivative work. Let's say that I buy a Claude Monet. Let's let's think of something that's more realistic, something to somebody who's alive. I doubt Monet's alive. But um, um, let's say Tom and Ray. We create okay. this, this uh, podcast. 
we own the copyrights, which means we own the exclusive rights to create a derivative work. Yeah. Somebody else comes along and puts music to it and a bunch of things popping up and graphics. They have created a derivative work. They own the derivative work. Yeah. They own it. We don't own it. We cannot take that derivative work and start copying it or displaying it. We can't do that. Even though we own the underlying copyright, we cannot take that person's derivative work and because that person make owns a new the derivative work or whatever. But but that person can't even sell his or her derivative work because they're infringing our copyright by doing so. You've made a derivative work, you're committing copyright infringement. So you so so Eminem would have had to have, in that example, um, given the rights to create a derivative work and to sell it for Tom McDonald to be able to legally sell it. Yeah, and then, then he creates an NFT of his own, and now he can go to market with his NFT. But those rights are separate. The right to create a derivative work is one thing, and the right to sell it. Yeah, because keep in mind, look at what these three rights are. I'm just reading off the copyright statute of the U.S. One, you have the exclusive right to reproduce the copyrighted work in copies. Okay. That's a right, okay? Okay. That's a right in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Number two, to prepare derivative works based upon the, the copyrighted work. Okay. That's a second right, okay. right? And then three, to distribute copies. That's a third right, right? Right. So of the derivative work? Is number three oh, oh, no, related the, to both the, or both? Uh, well, that's a good question. You can't create a derivative work and you can't copy and distribute the work. Right. So that's a good question. So right number one well, you actually... You can't do it anyway because it contains the copyrighted work. Right. So, so they're you kind can't of sell copies, a bit, you but. can't reproduce it in copies, and you can't produce a derivative work. You need the rights to do all three of those. Right. To do what you're saying. But having said that, yes, you committed copyright infringement by creating a derivative work. You still own the derivative work. You're the copyright owner of the derivative work. You can't do anything with it, and you might be sued for even creating it. But you own it. Right. So now go to the NFT world. Yes, anybody can create an NFT on anything. Then the question is, are you infringing copyrights? And that's the confusing thing about NFTs. What are you actually buying? And I think the only thing you're buying when it comes to NFTs, as opposed to paintings, is bragging rights. That's what you're buying. You're buying the right to display a certificate that says you own Pulp Fiction. <laughs> right. Okay. Great movie, right? Everybody wants to everybody wants to watch Pulp Fiction. Yeah. But and everybody can. I have a DVD of Pulp Fiction. You probably have a DVD of Pulp Fiction. But the point is something but Quentin Tarantino or whoever it is that owns it right now can can create an NFT, a non-fungible token of Pulp Fiction and sell it for like probably ten million dollars. And I'll bet you that's gonna start <laughs> happening. There's gonna be a wave of this. I read one thing that LeBron James, there's a video clip of him doing like a slam dunk or something, and that was created into an NFT and sold. I mean, any digital thing can be turned into an NFT and sold, and I'll bet you there is going to be a massive wave of selling NFTs to old movies. Somebody owns them, right? Yeah. And, you, and by the way, just because you sell an NFT, it doesn't mean... The movies aren't still out there, right? I just I can't. You can see, sell it with the built-in royalty. Are these assets? Are these assets? Question mark. I mean, that's the question that's right good, there. That's a good question. I mean, my question was going to be: Are will they appreciate? But are they even assets? I mean, I read this article because a painting, you know, that Monet in another 
hundred years will could who knows how much will be worth? Probably more than it is today. Okay, but what is where's the value in that Claude Monet painting? We just I just turned my computer around before we started this podcast. I showed it, yeah. And I said, This thing, Nymphias, which is like water leaves, do you like it? And I'm looking at it and thinking, I wouldn't even put that in my house. It's ugly, <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it doesn't even look like it's it's well done. Right. It looks like it's it looks like it's a child did that piece of art to me, right? <laughs> right. But you I, said, I, you like said I like it depends upon my color scheme in the room. Yeah, right? d- you know, you can't put a Monet in in like a dark room. Well, well, or because like it's that. a Monet. But if you ignore the who the author was and just looked at that Nymphia's thing. Yeah, I'll bet you ninety percent of the population wouldn't even like it. They'd be like, "That's okay, well, probably." But once it becomes a Monet, now it's worth fifty-four million dollars at Sotheby's. So, flash forward a hundred years, is that Monet still worth a lot of money? Depends on if they're still teaching. Uh, yes. Mo- uh, yes. Modern exactly. art in if, uh, early if modern Monet art. Monet is still popular, yeah. right? So, what about this guy uh, Beeples? Right? Uh-huh. Is his stuff still worth something? Is that thing of the Donald Trump? character like laying face down bloated and dead is that still worth something all depends what people think of of water what was the name again uh, waterman winklevice no no that's, that's the, the, no that's the Winklevoss. social media movie winkleman mike mike winkleman winkleman yeah. if he like monet is still famous people still value that they still think well if i buy this i get bragging rights that's cool and it might go up in value right if people think it's cool to own a winkleman or a Beeple's, sure. then it will be worth something. Yeah. That certificate will be worth something. By the way, I go to friends' houses all the time, and I see stuff like a football signed by all the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah. And it's I look at it, and I'm like, why would anyone want that? Much less, why would they put it up in their house? But because I don't value that. But right. they do, and a yeah. lot of people do. Why is that worth anything? It's just a football, but it's got all these signatures on it. What does that give them? A story to tell when people walk in the house. I got this one day after football practice. I was at Fredonia watching practice, and I somehow got every player on the Buffalo Bills to sign this thing. Yeah. And they're like, isn't that cool? And they feel good about themselves, and people are like, wow, that's a really cool story. So that's what they paid for, right? They paid for a football that they could tell a story around, that they have bragging rights. And I think that's the same thing with these NFTs. It's a cool story. It makes you look cool. It makes you look big. It gives you some kind of pride that you own it. Pride of ownership. Maybe that's what you're buying. Yeah. It's um, certainly doesn't exist in the material realm, but it does because you. I have mean, a technically, it does. Technically, it does. But you know right? what I mean. It's. I do. It's I a know bit. It's, a, it's couple, a lot of it is in here. And here are a couple fuzzy things. Okay, the NFT that's on the blockchain does not have the video, and it does not have the image. It doesn't have the thing, the work. Yeah, yeah. It just has a link to it. <laughs> it refers you to a website. Now, what if that website goes down? What or if, you redirect that to something else. If you can redirect it. But yeah. you're really, I mean, if, if, if it goes down, and I'm not even saying like there's a systemic crash in the internet worldwide and we're back to the Stone Age. Yeah. I'm saying that site, it's a startup company. You know, Winkleman spends all his money on, what was that one expression? That baseball player, somebody's going to know this, he said. That he was asked, "What do you do with all your money?" And he said, "Well, I'll probably spend the probably spend ninety percent on booze and women, and the other ten percent I'll probably just waste." <laughs> so <laughs> who said that? I don't know. It's a famous baseball player, but anyway, I don't know his name. 
But anyway, Winkleman blows all his money, right? Uh -huh. He's worth nothing. And he can't even afford to keep his website up. That was hosting that image, right? Now, That's here's nice. what you could do, though. So here's what I do. I would download it myself. Yeah. Put it up on my wall on a monitor so it's like playing. I paid $50, $69 million for it. Right. So I want people to see it. And then I'd frame my certificate and put it over it. And now it's kind of like any other piece of art, right? It's it's a cool piece of art, but you get the bragging rights that everybody's going to know that you had the Winkleman. Here's what I think is the, or the people. Here's what I think is the, the thing that's going to become rampant, and that is scam artists. Because you go back in history, I'm sure that people are copying artists' things and calling them originals when yeah, they're yeah. not. Um, did you ever see the movie or read the book, The Mormon Murders? The Mormon Murders. It's no. a book, The Mormon Murders, and they no, just did no. a thing on Netflix, which is like kind of a mini-series on it. But this guy, I think his name's Mark Harmon or something, Harmon, he was like this great forging artist. And he was forging all these documents, and he was selling them as collectibles to people, but they weren't real. And finally, Oh, they, I did hear about that? that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, like, he killed some people to hide his secret that he was doing this, but he was creating forgeries of expensive collectibles and making a fortune off it, right? Now, let's look at a Claude Monet. Ray goes out, I want to buy a Claude Monet. Well, if it's not sold at Sotheby's and has their seal of approval, you might get duped, right? Right. Because I you mean, don't know. And I see what your point is. I certainly would not be able to tell one NFT from the other. Right, right. So you're I don't even at, understand yeah, how so the technology works. I know. Let so alone, now, don't you think there's a zillion fraudsters? Because it's even worse than that. Ray has Buffalo Boys. That's your movie, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. You don't make an NFT, right? You don't make one. Right. Some other person. I don't downloads... we have a distribution company, so no, I don't. But, but let's say some other person downloads Buffalo Boys. Uh huh. They make an NFT on Ethereum. Uh, Bit or on Can Ethereum. Can they do that? Yeah. Anybody could do it because a lot of these sites don't aren't aren't that they don't really verify ownership that much, and it's probably easy to trick them. I read this article in Forbes like 20 minutes before we started this podcast, and it was basically talking, it showed all these different sites, and it said there's varying levels of verification on these sites of creating, and I listened to a, a YouTube video this morning yeah, of that yeah. guy, Beeple, Michael, or Mike Winkleman, and he said it's surprisingly easy to create NFTs, like it's simple to create NFTs. So I'll bet you there will be people downloading highlights from football games and soccer games yeah, and whatever. Yeah. Raise Buffalo Boys. You know what we got to do? We we should. Well, let's make an NFT of this podcast episode, and we'll put it for auction. There you go. Yes. We'll, yes. We'll donate make, the money to charity. There you go. And we can do that, right? Because yeah. any artist can create an NFT. If someone doesn't easily. beat us to it, we better that's agree. Right, exactly. to get on it. But that's what I think is going to be a big problem in the future, or even now, probably are scammers. Not only selling. Fake NFTs when a real like imagine Crossroads sold for six point six million dollars. Yeah, and someone downloads Crossroads, creates an NFT, prints up a certificate, and then goes out and sells it to someone who's unknowingly says, "Oh, I saw it was sold for six point six million. You want to sell it for two million? Oh, hell yes, I'll buy it. They give right. you two million, but it's not real. This is the wild west right now. NFTs, I think they've been around since two thousand fourteen, but they've only gained popularity in the past I don't know twelve months or so." So it's really the Wild West, and there's going to be a lot of scamming going on associated with these, these uh, NFTs. Well, I, uh, I, I certainly 
I'm not going to say I think that it's silly. I'm just going to say I'm probably going to, you know, invest uh, my money elsewhere. <laughs> Maybe, yes. I don't know if I'm going to buy any NFTs, just the same as I'm not buying any Monets right now. Not that I can. Uh, but yeah, right. But I, I think of it's, this. It's, a, it's a little, I don't know. Okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy into it. But think of this. Here's another, here's another issue. Okay. I describe how these digital fingerprints work. If you change one little thing, if you change a period to a comma, if you change the shade of a color, yeah. it will change the fingerprint. It will change the, you know, the blockchain, right? So you sell one of these NFTs mm -hmm. and somebody buys it for a million bucks. Then you go to your artwork because you own the copyright. You could create a derivative work and you very subtly, now remember this is not a computer. You don't have to repaint anything. Right. You change the shade of the background a little tiny bit. You create a new, you put, you create a new NFT. Then you sell that. Okay. What happens then? You just paid $2 million for a one of a kind you paid $6.9 million for a one-of-a-kind video crossroads in that Trump picture where he's face down and bloated and yeah. graffiti. Now, Winkleman goes and just changes the shade a little bit and then sells another NFT for like $5 million or $2 million or 100000 I would be a little annoyed by that. You probably want to sue him for fraud or something, right? And I assume, But I probably couldn't. I don't know. That's It's a wild west right now because... Because I'm sure I have never read an NFT agreement, right? But I'm going to because I'm now because you came up with or one of us came up with the idea of doing this, and we've been reading about it for a couple hours. I want to understand more about how these NFTs work in contract, right? Because whenever you're dealing with anything about possession, I my first question to people is, let's see the documents, let's see what you've agreed to on paper. Eminem, I mean, who knows? These are so new, maybe they weren't sophisticated enough to create a document. And you just assume, yeah, of course he's going to create a derivative work from it. That was the point. But then he doesn't like it. Eminem's like, oh, I don't like that derivative work. I don't want him doing that. I'm going to sue him for copyright infringement. And uh, the McDonald, Tom McDonald's like, whoa, I bought it from you for a hundred grand. What'd you think I was going to do with it? Right. Well, there's laws that define that, and Tom McDonald might be out of luck right. if there's no. But you know that kind of controversy can only help his career. Tom McDonald. I mean, these. Oh, these I've never yeah. heard of him until this morning. Right. I mean, they, yeah. they and and well, I mean, like a lawsuit, a battle, like no, that. that's what I'm talking about. It, if, yeah, I mean, you and I are hearing about it, and our 10 million listeners are hearing about Tom McDonald. Right. But no one else has probably heard of the guy. But if he, there was a big lawsuit over it, what a great way to build his uh, fame. Right. Right. Suddenly, he gets his moment in the sun, and maybe he capitalizes on. Yeah. Well, this is a really interesting topic. I'm I'm glad that um, that that you brought this up because. I think I know. I, I knew I knew this much before about, <laughs> and now now I know this much. Right. But I uh, but that's a big difference. Yeah, you went from zero to something. That's an infinite growth. It is right. I don't really know what that means, <laughs> but I'll take it. Infinite growth. Um, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to uh, share it. Share your comments. Um, let us know what you think of the new studio that we're in. We think it's pretty cool. But, um, uh, yeah, please share your feedback and, um, and, and don't forget to subscribe as well. And we'll see you next time on Stuff You Should Know About IP.